If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. You! Soldier Boy, tell Hey, I got the new dance for y'all called a Soldier Boy. You! You just gotta punch, then crank back three times from the left to right. Why me crank it? Why me roll? Why me crank that soldier boy? That Superman that hoe now? Why me you? Crank that soldier 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 now? Why me soldier boy? I been the hoe. Why me crank it? Why me roll? Why me crank that soldier boy? That Superman that hoe now? Why me you? Crank that soldier 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 now? Why me soldier boy? Been the hoe. Why me lean and why me rock? Superman at home, then why me crank that Robocop? Super Fred, now why me jock? Jockin' on them halo, man. When I do that soldier boy, I lean to love, then crank that thing. Now you, I'm jockin' on your bitch ass. And if we get to fightin', then I'm cockin' on your bitch ass. You catch me at your local party, yes, I crank it every day. Haters get mad, cause I got me some baby today. Soldier boy, I been in hope. Why me crank it, why me roll? Why me crank that soldier boy, that Superman at home? Now why me you? Crank that soldier, 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 now why me you? Soldier boy, I been in hope. Why me crank it, why me roll? Why me crank that soldier boy, that Superman at home? Now why me you? Crank that soldier, now why me you? Crank that soldier, now why me you? Crank that soldier. All right, first off, that song is the theme song for the greatest independent stable in the world, uh, EliteProWrestling.com's and IWM Mid-South, Chikara, anywhere else in the Chicagoland area, the Soul Touches. Much love to you boys. I'm going to definitely have to have you guys on the, the show in the near future. Oh, boy. We are uh, episode number 85, and it's uh, October 23rd, 2008. I'm your host, KZ. This episode of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you by our sponsors, WrestleWarehouse.com, for all your DVD needs. Um, also, FogCityWrestling.com. They have a show this Saturday night at the DNA Lounge, downtown San Francisco, south of the market. Raven will be on the card, so definitely worth checking out. And remember, don't call it a comeback. And also, uh, big props to our friends out there at EliteProWrestling.com. And also, I have to put over Mr. Sammy Callahan uh, for a big, big weekend at the Ted Petty Invitational, IWA Mid-South. A star was born. Um, your match with... Uh, Scorpio was awesome. Your match with Hero was awesome. Your match with Kingston was awesome. Uh, the finals were great, too. Sammy, mad props to you. Um, I have on the line the head drunk meister of the drunk cast, Mr. Ed in San Antonio, Eduardo. What's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, Keezy? How you doing tonight? Uh, fine and dandy. Uh, we're going to start the show off by I'm going to read the four stupidest sentences I have ever heard. The promoters kind of hinted to me, and they gave me the money to stand and trade with him. They didn't want me to take him down. Let's just put it that way. It was worth my while to try and stand up and punch with him. Now, is Seth Petruzzelli a fucking moron or what? 
Uh, yeah, he's the biggest moron who probably ever lived, dude. I mean, he single-handedly killed an entire promotion, dude. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's, That's the biggest. Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I hear, CBS was pretty, pretty, like, it was like 90%, 95% that they were going to buy the, the company, that they really want the company, and then when the, the scandal broke out or whatever you want to call it, you know, how could they, you know, continue to even think about it, you know what I mean? So, yeah, dude, he just put a lot of guys out of work. He just cost all of us from fucking probably, well, hopefully, probably, we'll probably get to see it sometime in the late future, but no, no time in the immediate future are we going to get to see Georgina Carano versus Cyborg. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, they, Seth effectively killed off a competitive brand. And it was something different from, from UFC, which you have your freak show on top with Kimbo, then you have the, the ladies down below, you know, and then you get, you know, some other good fighters like Jake Shields sprinkled in there, uh, Nick Diaz. You know, I mean, they, they got a lot of talent, or they had a lot of talent. It's a shame. But do, do not sleep on my, boy, my boys' strike force, okay? Do not sleep on them. I'm going to go bold prediction it will not be on pay-per-view. It will be live, prime time on NBC, Shamrock versus Shamrock from the Shark Tank in San Jose. What do you think about that? Well, it would be great if it is. I just don't, uh, after this fiasco, I just don't have hope on any of this, uh, any of these little groups getting hooked up on uh, prime time TV, man. I just don't see it right now. <laughs> well, I see that uh, Frank, and, Frank and Ken can pack 18,000 in the Shark Tank. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I know they can. I know they can do that, and I know they can put, take, get good, good ratings. I just don't. I just don't think any of the primetime uh, companies are going to want to uh, deal with. But uh, essentially, as good as Straightport is, you know, a low rent company now after what happened here with the scandal. I mean, I think it's going to be a while before anybody other than UFC gets any kind of a good TV deal like that. Hmm. Very good point. Very good point. Well, um, I have you on to, uh, we're going to break down 90, which is this Saturday. Uh, what, what are they calling this one? Uh, I have no idea. How many shows, dude? I, I, I have no idea. Silva vs. Cote, that's it. It doesn't have a special name. It doesn't have anything. <laughs> well, it, should be called uh, murder. it should be called Murder Live on TV. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Actually, you know, it's actually a pretty good-looking card. Um, they have a lot of good dark stuff, which is good. You know, the dark fights are always fun. They had some fun ones from this past weekend. Um, let's see. We'll, we'll break it down. Uh, Josh Berkman against Pete Drago Cell. What do you uh, think of this one? <laughs> well, if it stays standing, I'll give it to Drago easily. But um, I have a feeling he'll be kind of taken down. Um uh, Bergman though look like he he's the one that fought Swick that last time, right? That had that real shitty fight with Swick. Yeah. yeah. I I'm gonna go for Drago just uh off of that fight, man, because Bergman's kinda looked like a, he's looked like shit the last couple fights, even though he sort of had a few good ones to start. So I'll I'll go with Drago. Maybe he'll finally win one. Now well, Berkman's too busy banging one of the ring card rats, so you know. Well, they, she she jumped to that a long time ago, actually. There you go. Uh, next up, which should be another fun one, at 55, Hermes Franca 
against Marcus Aurelio. This should be really fun. Um, Hermes is just entertaining, and, and you know what you're going to get when he's in there. So, you know, it's going to be a good scrap. Um, yeah, what do you think gonna, of this one? I'm going to go with Hermes. Um, yeah, unfortunately, in his last fight, he who did he fight last? Shirk, right? Shirk was just too big to really for him to do anything. So hopefully he'll make a good showing on this one. Hopefully come back. And, he's like, yeah, like you say, he's always been an entertaining fighter, and hopefully he'll have a new different kind of hair color and, uh, you know, put on a good show. There you go. And now we're moving up to the 85s. We have Dan Miller against the IFL's Matt Horwich. If you have never seen Matt Horwich come down to the ring, oh, boy. Oh, boy is all I have to say. Your boy carries a Bible all the way down. And, you know, that's he takes his stuff seriously, and he's a good fighter, too. Um, yeah. I think Horwich is going to go right through Miller. But that <clears throat> that's just a, a technicality. You can't you you can't doubt a guy whose favorite music is Christian music and Megadeth. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. The, by the power of God, he is going to spite somebody, dude. Hopefully. <laughs> now these these fights that we've gone through are all may not be broadcast. So I know that's what's fucked up because these seem like some good fights here. I mean, they yep the the card that is on paper be better fucking come through because you know I'll be pissed if I have to wait till a later date to see some good fights. All right, next up we have Spencer Fisher, who always brings it at 55 against Shannon Gugarty. Uh Gugarty had a pretty good showing his last time. Um, this one is really a toss-up for me. Um, it could go any which way with these two guys. But that that's fun. That's part of the fun of the 155-pound division. You know, there's really not that one dominant guy with the exception of BJ and uh, Shirk. But, you know, other than that, I mean, it's a toss-up. Yeah, I... I uh... I really know virtually anything about the second fighter, um, Spencer. Uh, like, but I don't know anything about the other guy. Um, I'll just go with Spencer for the experience factor. Mm-hmm. Good call. Gugarty, you know, he had a good showing. I forgot who he had last. Uh, I'm, God, this UFC website's horrible. I can't even yeah, find his record. You looking at the oh. UFC.com? Yeah, that's bad, brother. Yeah, this thing sucks, dude. You know, I can't even... I can't even find, you know, who we fought last. Doesn't even have his record. What the hell? Huh. Should go to Sure Dog. But <laughs> next up, another dark one. We have uh, Talis Leites against Drew McFedries, who's a, a late replacement. Um, this one... Take your pick, dude. You know, they both are, they both throw bombs. I don't think this one's getting through the first. Yeah, that's a um, very evenly matched up fight there. Um, yeah, two real great fighters, two experienced fighters. Jeez. Um, I'll probably go with Ladius, I guess, on this one. Yeah, flip a coin, flip a coin, probably land yeah. for Ladius. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's on this. It's uh, a good matchup. Yeah. A really good matchup. Uh, before we go any further, uh, we're going to have open phone lines the whole show. Uh, we're going to have Ed on the first hour. Second hour, we'll be joined by Lyndon Walker. Um, if Ed wants to stick around, we'll be discussing 1980s NWA, Crockett. Um, this one, this show is for Crippler One. He requested us to uh, come on the air and, and talk some NWA. So that's my favorite time period. But we also have phone lines open for the whole show. Uh, that would be 
347-215-7946. Call in, and we'll talk about anything. All right, now, they have this one listed for the pay-per-view opener. Um, I think this could headline a pay-per-view. Sean Shirk against Tyson Griffin. Talk to me, Ed. Well, I've got to disagree with you on the headline of the pay-per-view, because to be honest with you, I, uh, I know you're a Tyson Griffin fan. Uh, I'm not really the biggest fan of either one of these guys. Um, Shirk is more personal than his actual fighting ability. I mean, the dude should have just admitted that he took fucking steroids. Uh, Tyson, I just haven't been impressed with his last couple fights, dude, for some reason. He's not, you know, he started off with some really exciting ones, but his last couple haven't been that great. I'm going to go with Sean Shirk because I have a feeling he's just going to be way bigger than Tyson and, uh, you know, he fights a light at a lightweight, but when he gets to the ring, he's a welterweight dude. So, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna go with Shirk on this one. You know, that's a that's a good call. Um, I'm gonna go with Tyson. Um, I'm partial to my friends, so um, I've known Tyson for three years, and you know, he, I knew him when he was fighting for Strike Force. You know, before that, WEC and King of the Cage and stuff like that. Uh, he's good. But the thing is, you're right, Shirk is a monster for 155. And I don't know if Tyson can hold him down. Yeah, yeah. By, the time, by the time the fight comes up after the weigh-in, you know, Shirk's back being welterweight, dude. I mean, um, the, I mean, the only person who even came, you know, BJ whipped his ass is because BJ is like the greatest fighter in the world. But, I mean... It's very hard to combat fucking, I mean, he's very strong. He's got that good wrestling base, and then when you top it off that he's coming in bigger and stronger than everybody, I mean, it's, it'd be hard for anyone to beat him other than BJ Penn. True that. I mean, he's just a monster. I mean, they shouldn't even let him fight at 55 because he cuts too much damn weight. And then, you know, <laughs> hopefully, and then and then you never know, man. He might have learned his lessons on service. I'll be on HDH, so... <laughs> You know, you still gotta, you still have to worry about whether you're fighting the guy with an unfair advantage over you or not. I'll Very always true. have doubts on. I'll, I will always have doubts on him being clean. You know what I mean? After that one fail, especially the way he was so adamant about denying it. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. Uh, the next one in the heavyweight division: Fabricio Verdum against Junior Dos Santos. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know why this is on the main, the main show. There's so much down below that they could, you know, move up instead of this crap fight. But for some reason, I don't know if it's Dana or it's Joe Silva, the booker. Someone's in love with Verdum, and I don't understand why. Verdum, isn't he the one that beat uh, Brandon Vera when Brandon Vera started crying like a bitch? Yes. Yeah. Well, Verdum's all right. I mean, he's a pretty decent fighter. I think... If I'm not mistaken, shouldn't he have got like a title shot a while back? I mean, it seems like he keeps winning all these matches that are supposed to put him in contention, but for some reason something always seems to happen to push his title match back. So that's probably why he's on the on the pay-per-view to make it up for him because I'm thinking he should have fought a while back for the title, if I'm not mistaken. So I'll, I'll go with him. Uh, I think he'll, he's going to win this one, keep up his winning streak. Well, the next one's going to be fun. Uh, no love, Rich Clemenia against Gray Maynard. Ultimate Fighters. This is going to be good. Um, Clemenia's got the fire, uh, fire under his butt for some reason. You know, he's taking his training more seriously. You know, and and Gray Maynard's a machine, man. That kid's a natural. 
So this is going to be another pick em for me. I, I have no idea. Um, I think we're going to be the winners for this one. <clears throat> yeah, but at the same time, it could also be a boring fight because you could, there's always a chance to get Gray Manor just take him down and hold him. Um, if it's face standing, of course, uh, Clemente has a big advantage. Um, I and uh, if, you know, obviously, Gray Manor wants to take it to the ground. So now, Gray has had some exciting fights. Hopefully, it'll, it will be good. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the younger guy. I'm going to go with uh, Gray Manor on this one. And the semi-main event, we have the Pitbull, Tiago Alves, against X-Koss, Josh Koscheck, late replacement. I think Koss is going to win this one and move up for a title shot. I mean, you, you can't deny the kid's got talent. Yeah, he's, um, and he has a lot of fucking heat, too. That's another thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, did, uh, obviously the question to ask is, what's his name, Nick fucking wait today? Uh, which one? I'm not Koshak, the guy he's fighting. I have trouble with his oh, name. Yeah, no shit, huh? That's the question. Will he make weight? I'm assuming he did because I guess we would have would have been like on the front page of Brian's site. So, um, I'm not sure, dude. He um he looked very impressive against Matt Hughes. Of course, Matt Hughes is older now. He's not in his prime. Uh, the guy came in way, way, way bigger than fucking Hughes. Uh, but then again, he's finding a guy who's younger in his prime, who's stronger than Hughes, probably even a better, probably even a better wrestler than Hughes when he comes down to credentials. Um, and as much as I don't fucking like him, I think, I think Koscheck can do it, but, um, you know, it's going to be a tough fight, dude. I mean, it could go either way, but I'll go with Koscheck because when it comes down to it, I figure that, that he could just take him down and sit on him if he has to. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Koss is going to take this one and, you know, he gets his title shot if he wins. So I think uh, him and St. Pierre could, you know, take a pop of buy rate. I think they could. Well, he's not going to be fighting Pierre, uh, Casey. He's going to be fighting BJ Penn. I disagree with you on that one. But that's, uh, that's well, a whole different animal. <laughs> we'll, get, well, we'll get to that in a few months. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That all access is going to be fun. The uh, the uh, BJ Penn and uh, St. Pierre all access is going to be fun stuff. I'll be live at that fight too, so that'll be awesome. True. Hold on just a second. Okay. Sorry about that. Wifey's on her way out. Uh, the main event, obviously, uh, the Predator will be eaten by the spider. So, uh, just the, the question is when. And how? Um, I'm going to say Silva by armbar in the first. I'll say Silva by knockout on the first, so he's actually going to do what Junie Brown couldn't do. <laughs> when to finish the fight in the first round by knockout. Uh, can you believe that crap last night? I mean, he had that kid on the fucking ropes, and then some, and then some, and then some. And you know, whoever's Whoever the judge was that gave it a split decision got to be out of their fucking mind. I had it 30-27 all the way. Well, dude, see, the thing is, Junie fucked himself over in the first round by letting the guy get all these open shots. He did come strong at the end, but by then, the guy had scored too many points. So what if he wasn't hurting him? He was still scoring, dude. So I can clearly see how he won the first round. 
second fight, uh, second round, of course, that was pretty much all Juni. The third round, the kid, uh, Juni, I mean, Juni won that fight, in my opinion, but I can't blame any of them for taking the other guy because that guy just fought his ass off and he kept trying to swing even though his punches didn't have any damage. So I can kind of, I wasn't surprised by the split decision, to be honest with you, but, you know, Juni, God, he came off like such a fucking bitch in this fight. I mean, all this shit that he fucking talked, and he couldn't finish this guy. In fact, by the end of the fight, the guy is telling him to fucking come on and telling him to fucking bring it and fucking so chewing at him. So, I mean, it's just like, at least Junior at the very end realized that the guy actually, you know, Junior got his hand raised, but when, in, in the reality, you know, it's the other guy who won the, the, the fight within the fight, if you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's... Uh, I hope Juni ate some humble pie, but I seriously doubt it. He's such a fucking idiot. I mean, he's yeah, fucking makes the show. He makes the show great, but my God, he's a fucking idiot. He's gonna get. He's gonna get booted off. You know, he's got to. He can't. Something has to happen. When they started the season, they showed like a preview of like the whole season. I swear to God, there's like a two-second clip of him in someone's face. The guy saying, "Get out of my way." He stands there and and. I don't know if it was Vader or just one of those bigger guys just clocked him right in the fucking jaw and he went down like he was dead. So I figure he's going to get kicked out for some other kind of confrontation. It has it has to be coming. I mean, he should have been kicked out already. It is good TV, though. Yeah, it is good TV. It is it's good just TV. Uh, when you set a standard that you, you don't have no tolerance and you kick people out for less shit than that, like, okay, let's see, a guy got kicked out because he hooked up with a bitch and fucked her outside the house. <laughs> you know funny. what I mean? I like that. I mean, that's what... Yeah, I mean, I but, you know, when you're going to... guys do. Yeah, if you're going to kick somebody out for some bullshit like that, and then two other guys have, like, a little altercation that wasn't even nowhere near close to this, Spike TV puts them on the card, and then Dana comes in and says, no fucking way these guys are going to be on the card after what they did this and that, they don't deserve it, and all this shit that he talked about. Uh, I can't remember those guys, but you know which ones I'm talking about. The ones that had the street fight. Oh, uh, yeah. And, that uh, was uh, last season, right? I think. Uh, I think Where it was that, two seasons dude, ago. Yeah, that dude got dropped on his head. Yeah, he got dropped on his head. The other guy got mm. sucker punched. I mean, he, he he made a big hoopla about Spike putting them on the card. He pulled them off personally, said all that shit, and then he's going to fucking let... Junie, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. Junie's entertaining. I like seeing the show. But when you set presidents or a standard about kicking people off for certain shit, and then you let a guy come in and do shit that's ten times worse than anyone who ever got kicked off, and let him stay and give him his warning, and the next fucking day he's jumping in the fucking cage to go after a fighter who already won his fight. You know, it's fucking bullshit, dude. As far as I'm concerned, Daniel White's a fucking hypocrite, and he's a fucking asshole. You know, these guys... They're they're on this show and they represent the sport. You know they represent the sport, and UFC is not going to grow anymore until they cut this crap out. Um, I I personally enjoy watching the training segments. That's that's fun stuff. I like the fights. Um, they should do more personality profile type of thing, and you know instead of you know, feeding them alcohol. Well, the you thing know, is, I know. like the show. Like, I, I like the show. I love the show. And and if, if Dana wouldn't kick anyone ever off the show, I wouldn't give a fuck. It wouldn't make a difference to me. 
The only problem I have is that it's, you know, and I mean, he's uh, it's just he's being a hypocrite by letting one guy stay uh, when he kicked guys off for worse. I mean, now, had he, had, had he let those other guys stay, he wouldn't have a problem with Junie doing all this shit. But, you know, he he, he made this, uh, this decision on his own. So, I mean, that's, that's the only problem I have with this, with Dana on this season. Well, first off, you know, Junie was wrong for splitting, spitting on that black belt. When he spit on that black belt, he spit on every Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter in the world. I'm surprised Mir didn't go after him. Well, Mir was Mir seemed like he was pretty pissed himself. This is he. You can tell he's tired of fucking Junie. I mean, he's tired of Junie fucking big time, dude. Because he's you know all that reflects on on, on Mir. But uh, I don't know, man. I've always kind of heard that Mir's kind of a jerk in real life, so. I don't know, but yeah, dude, I mean, he's lucky Anderson Silver fucking, like, he should fucking try spitting on Anderson Silver and the Garrett's belt and see what the fuck happens, you know what I mean? They were pissed, that too. Was, yeah, yeah, that was pretty... You can hear Anderson Silver in the background. You know, he's all, you know, disrespectful. You know, he wanted to go after him. You hear, you can hear him in the background. Yeah, I was so... Like, oh, let him go, man. You, you want to fight like, you know, and be a big man? Go step up to the champ. Yeah, and if he said if he didn't think that guy's black belt meant anything, that the third round when he just fucking stood there when the guy's on his ground, why don't you fucking try and go him down and ground on his ass? I mean, if you don't think his black belt's for shit, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I mean, Junior just in so many ways came off like a fucking idiot last night. I mean, jeez, I mean that's all I can say. Yeah, that guy's a goof. He's a disres- disrespectful. You know, he disrespects the sport. That that's what really gets me. It's like, brother, you have the chance of a lifetime being on this show, you know, let alone trying to advance. I mean, fuck, dude. You there isn't any other this is the best vehicle now to get to where you wanna be. You know, and he's just pissing it away like an idiot. You mean after the season they need to book him against Matt Horwitz and fucking let Matt Horwitz fucking fucking pound the fucking power of God into him or something, you know, maybe he'll snap. True. Very true. Well, what, what do you think about next season? It's going to be the, the U.K. against uh, the United States. That's going to be pretty cool. Uh, I think it'll be a landslide for the U.S. side. <laughs> I think the better, better UK fighters are already on the fight cards. I don't have a lot of high hope for a lot of these guys. <laughs> you might be seeing yeah. a lot of. I mean, they, I think they're going to be real cool characters. Don't get me wrong. I think they'll be cooler yeah. than the Americans uh, if there's like a couple of Ross Kintons in the group, you know. But I just don't have high hopes for them winning uh, the majority of the fights. Of course, like, but then again, these are all amateur guys who aren't that great, so you never really know. But I have a feeling that. The Americans will be a one class ahead of the uh, the Europeans on this one. Mm. You know, it's I'm I'm gonna hate the show because if they get Bisbing as a coach, God, I hate that cocksucker. The way he talks, I hate him. I do not like him. What's I, the point I of having? They, what's the uh, point of having Bisbing and Franklin as the coaches? Franklin's not even fighting that fucking uh, middleweight anymore. Well, Bis well Bisbing's obvious because you know the. The Ultimate Fighter tie-in, and then the the uh, you know UK. Well, be, yeah, that makes sense. It should be Bisping and Anderson Silva. That way, Anderson Silva can fucking kill him at the end of the fucking series. There but, you uh, go. 
Let's email Dana White real quick. Actually, you know what? Never mind Dana White. Let's email uh, Joe Silva. At least Joe returns emails. <laughs> Dana doesn't. Dana can give two shits. But, um... Like he would say, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love that drop. That's that's good stuff right there. You know, I, I wish I could get the Ultimate Fighter uncensored. Just to hear Dana's tirades. <laughs> I mean, yeah, is, there, is there is there a better promo guy in in any type of, you know, combat sport currently? Dana's the um, best Yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, there's, there's guys who can do it, but I would probably put Dana on top. You got you to gotta put both Shamrocks on there. You know, you got to put uh, Tito kind of in there. Um who the hell is good at cutting? Brock's fucking pretty good at cutting promos, to be honest. Um, DSP, sometimes he's awesome, sometimes he's not. Uh, Sarah's actually pretty good. Uh, Matt Hughes is fucking arrogant as fuck. He's, you know, I mean, it just depends. They all have different, you know, something that makes a lot of guys different agree on their promos. But overall, probably Dana's probably on top of that list, you're right. Yeah, neat. Well, when he has a meltdown, brother, he has a fucking meltdown, you know, and that's always fun. You know, every couple weeks or, you know, every month or so, he, you know, he melts, he has a meltdown and loses it. But you know what? Hey, that's, that's all good, man. Um, now, I got to ask you, did you listen to the last Tough Talk? Uh, I I did hear it, but I was kind of like doing something, so it was just all in the background. But I got, the, I heard the majority of it. Did you, you hear the interview, right? Uh, Ratner? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was good stuff. Uh, you know, Ratner's, you know, he he was a big addition, you know, because his name, his name carries a lot of weight, you know, with a lot of different commissions. And, you know, that that's, that's a big-time weapon to have in your pocket when you're trying to move into places with, you know, that, that don't sanction MMA. Um, so, obviously, you know, it's New York. New York's the next one. Um, do you think we're going to see, you know, UFC in Madison Square Garden? Eventually, but I still think it'll be a couple of years away. Mm. I mean, supposedly they had it. Supposedly they had it in the bag for this year, but you know, it didn't happen. So you you don't you don't think that Vince would uh, you know give a little payola to not have them in the building? Actually, I could see that happening. Uh, but I think USC is in a position where they could, you know, throw bats and score more uh, money th- themselves. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't. What, what's the point? I mean, it's not like it's TNA. You know, so what if some other company goes in there and and, and has a, uh, a show there? I mean, you know what I mean? I don't think they, uh, Vince would be would care if, unless they were like a wrestling company. Then he would care more. But I don't. I don't think there'll be anything like that going on. Yeah, I don't think so either. Well, uh they've they've uh they've announced the execution date for Andre Arlovsky, uh January twenty fourth at the Honda Center in LA. Um he will be annihilated by Fedor. I may ha- I may have to go down for this one. Um do you think that, you know, Arlovsky has a chance with Fedor? I really don't think so, but nothing would make me happier than to have him get a lucky punch to start the fight and knock out Fedor. And then we can fucking end this fucking 
myth about Fedor being the greatest heavyweight in the world. Um, either that or hopefully something they'll work something out where he could fight Brock or something in the UFC. But it just pisses me off that the, 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 and he probably is the best heavyweight in the world. It's just, you know, he doesn't want to fight the best fighters in the world. And mm-hmm. Arlovski is good and great, but then again, he did lose Tim Sylvia twice. So, you know what I mean? He he's more named. I think he's actually overrated somewhat to a degree. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I just I'm not really the biggest fan of affliction. You know, I don't think they're going to be around for too too much longer. Especially if they're going to pay outrageous amounts of money to some of these guys. Um, but uh, I don't know. Fedor probably just going to destroy him like he did Sylvia. Yeah, I think so too. But you know, the thing is. You you can say that, you know, he's the best heavyweight in the world and yada, 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 but he's not in the UFC. He's not, you know, fighting the best guys in the world. Obviously. You know, he's fighting UFC leftovers, guys that, that weren't re-signed or guys that were cut. Um, you know, it's a shame, and we just lost Ed. So uh, we should get Ed back here real quick. Um, those, uh, those that are listening... F4WOnline.com. Uh, on the front page, you can uh, you can download the free Dr. Keith Lipinski show. Uh, Dr. Keith has a pretty good interview with Kevin Nash. Uh, yeah, check out the doc. He's pretty good. Um, as far as the Chicago land area goes, you know, Doc is the man. And not to mention, he's the newest member of the Jakara commentary team. Like I said last week, uh, Dr. Keith. Will not be on tonight. He's at a concert with his old lady. Uh, Keith will be on next week. So, um, yeah, we have Ed back on the line. Ed, I lost you. What happened? Uh, no, I just lost the signal there for a second. Uh, okay, cool. Um, let's see. This is just posted. The Florida State Boxing Commission formally closed its investigation into Kimbo Seth match, ruling that nothing illegal took place in the match. Whatever. Uh-huh. Nothing illegal did happen because the guy who supposedly was paid to lose won. So it's like there was no way they could have proved them, you know, guilty on anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would have been one thing for him to get knocked out, stuff to have gotten knocked out, and say, "Hey, how they pay me to get knocked out?" But the motherfucker wanted to fight. So I mean, as much as you can say it was fixed, you know, the the guy, the wrong guy won. So right there, that in in the story. <laughs> What's next for Kimbo? Uh, doing a bunch of coke and banging a bunch of hoes with all the money he made from this fight. I don't see him fighting anytime soon. You know, he'll probably wait about half, at least half a year before he fights again. Back to working for the Milf Hunter. Cool. <clears throat> Man, talk about you know someone's star rising and then crashing so fast. We haven't we haven't seen one of those in a while. You know, someone that rose up real quick and then, bam, out of nowhere just disappeared but we'll see do you think he'll end up in a in the UFC ring uh, I don't know I don't think so I don't think Dana would fucking just add a kind of like spider whatever for him being like the main draw for another company but the thing is if you were to get him and put him in there with fucking Houston or Liddell you could pop a fucking virate you could pop one big virate and then you know, it might be worth it. I mean, send a dude to a fucking one or two fight deal, let him pop a buy rate, let him get exposed, and let him go on his fucking way. You know, take the money to the bank and fucking laugh about it. But I don't think they're going to do that. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. But, uh, well, Dana, you know, I don't know. It's, it's up to Dana, but Dana's spewed a bunch of shit about him, though. Yeah, Dana, Dana, for all the things that Dana's done for the sport and all the things that he's a genius about, he's also a fucking idiot about a lot of stuff, dude. Um, like I just said, you know, Kimball would pop at least one buy rate. Gina Carano would be a fucking superstar for fucking the UFC, but he don't want to touch women's fighting. You know, it's just fucking get your head in the fucking time, in present time, dude. It ain't the fucking 50s and 60s, you know what I mean? Fucking women are fucking can do what guys can do, whatever, dude. Let them fucking do it, dude. Fucking let Gina be a superstar. Let her be a spokesperson for your company, dude. Send her all over the fucking world, dude. Fucking open up doors everywhere. You know, open up media opportunities. Get her on fucking primetime, but... You know, Letterman, Leno, and all that shit. But, you know, no, because I don't like it, so fuck it. You know, I mean, Dana, like I say, for all the greatness, all the great things he does, he does a lot of stupid-ass fucking stupid things, dude, and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... How can you not, you know, hop on that horse and ride it? I mean, obviously, that she... <sighs> Kimbo was Kimbo, but Gina... Carano carried Elite XC. That's that's my honest opinion. Um, you you got the freak show, you know the freak show stuff with Kimbo, but then you know you had a a very hot chick who could go in and bang, you know, and I'm all I'm all down with that. That's cool, you know. It's she's she's uh she's smoking hot. She's the farthest thing from a diva, and. You know that that's a pretty fair comparison. <clears throat> now, do you think uh, anybody's going to try to pick her up? You know, like Affliction maybe picking her up, or I, I think she's going to fight for Strike Force. But that's just me. As long as as long as the fight between her and Cyborg happens, I could really care less for who it's for. <laughs> as long as I kind of get to see it. Um, but the thing is. She goes to affliction. It's only going to be for a certain amount of time because they're not going to be around that much longer. Mm-hmm. Strike Force probably has longer, uh, you know, a longer lifespan. Will have a longer lifespan, but you know, as good as Strike Force is, let's be totally honest. They're nothing more than a glorified independent. You know what I mean? All they can run is, is California, and that's it. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, but they do. They do draw well. Oh, I mean, I know they do. I know no, they, they do. do. They really do. You'd have to, they'd have to do, they're like an ECW, you know what I mean? Once you take them out of their little market, they're they're not going to do that good. Um, but, you know, hopefully the fight will happen. I mean, I just, all I want, I just want to see the fight. That's all I want to see. Or I just want to see Gina Carano fight in the future. I don't care who it is. So hopefully it'll happen. But, um, who knows, you know, things can change like at a, a dime, dude. I mean, you never know what's economy all fucked up and all that bullshit so who knows but hopefully hopefully we'll get to see Gina fight some more knowing Frank Shamrock he will get it booked for San Jose you know <clears throat> because the strike force it's it's amazing the numbers that they draw out here it's really amazing where mostly local fighters uh, the stars are local the champions are local. Um, I think they're gonna they're gonna scoop her up, and they may save that for their first pay per view, or maybe they even put it underneath Frank and Ken. 
Why not? Yeah, that would be the best bet. Hopefully it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, too, just uh, so I can be there in the Shark Tank to see it. Then you can fly on out, Ed, and, you know, we'll hang out, brother. Uh, maybe. There it is. There we go. Well, if, if, if you haven't seen a show in the Shark Tank, you know, I was hoping and hoping that when Strike Force first started that they would go under so that UFC would uh, be able to run a show there um, because uh, Strike Force has exclusive to the Shark Tank. That's why they UFC ran up in Sacramento as opposed to here. You know, I was hoping and hoping and hoping that they would, you know, fold. But then, after the first show, I was blown away. I was like, okay, this is good stuff. And now I'm, you know, I'm firmly behind Strike Force, and you know, I, I think they're a viable brand. And and hopefully, NBC will decide to do the primetime thing. Um, because you know, Strike Force doesn't you know, doesn't really put over other talent and they, they just you know, they have their own guys, they have their own champions. Um they just announced for the next Shark Tank show, uh the main event, Josh Thompson will defend the Strike Force lightweight title against Eve Edwards. Um Edwards beat him four years ago, um, in UFC. This should be a really, really good fight. Uh what, what do you think of Eve's that that little dude with uh, what does he call? Is it ghetto jitsu? <laughs> uh, I'm not <laughs> sure, but I, um, he's had some spectacular knockouts, that's for sure. But I don't think he's anywhere close to the fighter he was four years ago. He's, mm-hmm. he's way on his downslide side. Yeah. Well, you know, Strike Force has really good lightweights. Um, Thompson's world class. They have a. Uh, uh, Gilbert Melendez, who's uh, who trains with uh, the Diaz brothers uh, for uh, which Gracie, uh, who was the one that lost in the first strike force. But yeah, uh, Jake Shields, they're all together. So Shields is going to end up with uh, with Strike Force, hopefully, uh, if UFC doesn't throw him the money. Uh, do you think UFC is going to go after Jake? Uh, I think they'll go after him. I just don't think they're going to offer him huge money. But um, I I would uh, I'd like to see Jake in the, in the UFC. He's he's one of the few guys from a, that from elite that could actually be in the UFC. Um, so yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully, whatever happens, it'll be for the best for for him. You know, hopefully, someone will give him some good money. Well, I, I hope he he shows up in Strike Force. Just. They they need to bolster their 170 pound division. It's you know it's a little light. Uh, they're strong in the lightweights. You know that's that's where Clay Guida first came to prominence. You know that was the the first time I saw him. I was like, oh, star. <clears throat> All right, let's see. Oh, any pro wrestling news that you you want to talk about, Ed? Um. Hmm. Uh, nothing really from like current time. Nothing major. Ah, okay. Let's talk about the new the new thing. Uh, is bad enough that rest, the term wrestlers was banned. Now fucking superstars is banned, and now they have to be referred to as only as entertainers. When the fuck did the WWE open up a fucking strip club? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's Unbelievable. Just, 
just some of the stupidest. I mean, Vince is retarded sometimes. I think he's getting old timers every once in a while. <laughs> they're they're not they're yeah they're entertaining us but goddamn it's fucking wrestling call them fucking what they are they're fucking wrestlers fucking entertainers what what the fuck are they gonna do John Cena's gonna come to the ring and start spinning plates on sticks and fucking HBK is gonna start doing magic tricks I mean what the fuck what's next are they gonna ban the term the boys the probably 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 you know uh, who knows what the fucking ban next dude. It won't be a body slam. It'll be a pick you up and drop you move around. No, some stupid shit like that, dude. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't watch the current shit, so I couldn't really tell you about what's going on. I haven't watched Raw in months. I haven't watched uh, the last TNA I watched was the last pay per view. Um, other than that, I just I can't stomach the shit. You know, it's not what I grew up watching. <clears throat> Now, have you gotten a hold of the Legends of World Class? No, I just barely ordered it today. So hopefully okay. I'll get it by, uh, probably by the early of next week. Did and you get so, the director's so, cut? Yeah, I got the director's cut. Good. Yeah, that, that so, second disc is good. There's a long-ass radio interview on there with uh, – they're, they're talking about the documentary. Fucking long. Like three-hour – fucking radio show thing and it was good stuff yeah I mean uh, I, got, I got a lot of feedback from that show man and I didn't even think we even talked just broke, really broke the ice on world class so, I mean as soon as I get the, this disc and watch it I'm going to send it to Peach and we're going to do a part two and pretty much just do a world class show and shit are you ready for me to shock your mind Ed go right I ahead got, I got positive feedback from my appearance on your show for that one. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. But it, Unbelievable. it's your boy Kirpler 1, though. It was your boy Kirpler oh, 1. So that's why I'm having, that's why I'm having Lyndon Walker on in the second hour. We're going to do Strictly Crockett, NWA. Well, that's Mr. Positive, man. He ain't got a bad thing to say about anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to have fun. <laughs> uh, you'll get to you'll get to meet him at WrestleMania because uh, I think I'm gonna be sitting with him and his friends. But yeah, he'll definitely be at Mania. Awesome. Have they put the packages on sale yet? Uh, I believe the packages are. Uh, you can get the packages. You just can't, you know take the tickets just for buying the tickets on sale. So. Okay. Because yeah, I want to stay in the hotel because you know they don't let anybody in. So yeah, you know, they caught the whole thing. So uh, yeah, I'll be there with uh, Jeff Dino, the owner and operator of WrestleWarehouse.com. Check out our shoot interviews. Cheap plug. <clears throat> Not to mention SoCalProWrestling.com. Cheap plugs. Got to support the sponsors, brother, or they don't pay me. What, you think I do this for the fucking fun of it? Shit, I get paid, brother. <coughs> but anyway, enough about that. All right. Well, we have, let's see, we have about 15 minutes until Mr. Walker will call in. Ed, I'm going to give you the office. Whatever topic you want to talk about, we can talk about. Huh, I'm actually a little unprepared. <laughs> um, hmm, uh, it's a shoot, brother. It's a shoot. No format here. 
to. I did finally, finally, for the first time ever, thanks to you, actually, I finally got to see some fucking uh, Art uh, Ring of Honor. And uh, I got to say, I highly enjoyed that pay-per-view for the yeah, most part. That was good. Well, yeah, what did you think uh, of the Machine Guns match? The, or no, not the Machine Guns. That was a different show. Um, yeah, that was a really good show. Um, they, It's blow-away stuff. It's just it's too much. Yeah, it is. Like, they, they probably should have ended it with uh, the Dragon match. Um, I thought the Jimmy Jacobs and this and everything was a little too much. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was a pretty good brawl. But, uh, you know, it wasn't by, by then. It wasn't anything that really stood out, you know what I mean? Except for the one mm-hmm. spot where uh, Necro uh, pushed over the ladder. And uh, that was also, like to say, the first time I finally got to see the Necro Butcher and see what all the hoopla was about. And I got to say, I was entertained by him. He's actually, uh, I don't know, something about when he's fucking jacking people up with that one big old punch, dude. I kind of got a kick out of that. So he entertained me. For some reason, I don't know why, but I figured... Kevin Steen, is that, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, for, for some reason, I figured if, if anybody was a big jacked-up guy in, in a Ring of Honor, it would be him, but he's a big guy, but he, he's not jacked up with muscle, man. He's kind of a, a fat guy, but he can move for his size. He uh, he looked pretty, he looked decent and stuff, so he, that was a good match. Um, if anything, I was a little disappointed in the Briscoe's match, mainly because it really wasn't a match. It was just a squash. Yeah, well, that was that was their return from uh, one of the was it Mark? Yeah, Mark's injury. That was their return. So they, you know, the, uh, Gabe wanted to, you know, keep him strong. And um, I think it's is it this weekend? Yeah, it's this weekend. They're having a four-team, thirty-minute uh, Iron Man match, which is going to be insane. Um, it's the Briscoes, LAX. Dean and Generico, and I think Jacobs in black, if I remember right. But yeah, that's going to be insane. Just uh, those four teams, just unbelievable. You know, Homicide back in an ROH ring is going to be nuts. When his music hits, it's going to blow the roof off the building. Because <clears throat> that's you know that's where he made his name. So yeah, that's going to be. Interesting. I think it's this weekend, if I remember right, um, and that will not be taped for pay-per-view. Um, but yeah, um, the the ROH stuff is cool. I can't sit and watch a show. You know, I have to watch a couple matches at a time because you know my it kind of like blows my brain up. Yeah, it's too much like uh, like one match, then it was a it was a good match, but the uh, uh, Claudio. Um Nigel match, it went too long, dude. It just went too long. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, how many more fucking things does fucking Claudio have to do to get a, a near fall? You know what I mean? It, it just, they, they, they kind of take it too long. You, you, you want to slowly build up the card, and when every match is fucking, fucking got 20 near falls, you know what I mean? It, it pretty much, it kind of hurts it. Um, but I do want to tell, uh, t- uh, uh, tell a story. Uh, you know how, like, when uh, the first time Danielson, supposedly, I mean, I didn't see it, but reading about it, the first time he did the spot with the elbows and the crowd kind of shit on it? Yep. And then he slowly, like, uh, what do you call it, uh, just uh, educated them into knowing that that was a major finish, and then you know how they go crazy now when he does it. Um, I watched uh, I watched it, and then, like, later on I had a buddy come over, 
And me and this guy, we used to go to the old uh, Shawn Michaels show, the T- TWA, when a, a dragon and a Spanky were just breaking in. When I told him, you know, that dragon was on the show, he wanted to watch it, so he was checking it out. He was marking out for everything. I mean, he was just in awe of how fucking good Danielson had become. Get to the finish with the elbows, and my friend like, looks at me like, wait a minute, all that, and it ended like that? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you see how the crowd is reacting right now? Well, the first time he did it, they had the same reaction as you, but he fucking educated them and fucking, you know, taught them what that meant and stuff, and that's why everyone's, you know, popping big and shit. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but that, he was that like, TWA stuff was, that TWA stuff was really, really good. Really fucking good stuff. I mean... Well, not, not, not all of it. I mean, Spanky and Dragon, but... Obviously, you never saw the, what the fuck were they calling themselves there? Uh, Solomon Grandi and Tugboat Taylor? (laughs) (laughs) God. And then they had the little little midget fucking uh, mascot called Nugget. (laughs) 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 And shit. And they had like a big tiger shark or some shit like that. So... It wasn't the very first couple episodes were like great, dude. It wasn't until Spanky and Dragon started fucking showing what they got, and then the show picked up, man. When when they let old Solomon Grandi and uh, Tugboat off the show. Well, you you mentioned Claudio um, during this the past the uh, last month the Ted Petty Invitational IWA Mid South. Claudio, I was a second round. Uh, yeah, it was a second round match. He had a great match with Dave Taylor, of all people. Good, stiff European style match. And, you know, those people that think that Dave Taylor's washed up, no fucking way. He was going. He had a really good comedy type match with Tracy Smothers the first night. And the second night, and then his only match with Claudio was just a, an unbelievable match. Um, I was really surprised. Uh, there was some really good wrestling in this year's Ted Petty. Uh, really good, good stuff. Um, I did love that spot on the pay-per-view where Claudio does the, uh, not, it's not an airplane spin, but basically it's an airplane spin. Yeah, the big, right. big, uh, big swing. Now check this uh, out, bro. Just, he just kept going and going and going and going. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was just going to fall down himself after that shit. Now, in the finals of the Ted Petty, it was Drake Younger, Claudio Casagnoli, and Sammy Callahan. And Sammy and, and Claudio were brawling outside. And Claudio gave him the big swing outside, but through chairs. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, dude, yes. Claudio's getting hardcore. But, yeah, that was, that was a fun stuff there. Um, you know... The, the the only problem with the, the ROH pay-per-views is I really don't feel the storylines. Yeah, they really didn't seem to have, like, I mean, they had, other than the Arias Jacobs, there never really seemed to be a storyline involved in anything, to be honest with you, or at least if there are, they didn't really, you know, promote it on the pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. Which is fine. I mean, it needs more time for longer matches. It all depends on what you like. You know what I mean? Um, I could have used a little more storyline, maybe a little less off. You know, take out some near falls and add a little more storyline to it. Uh, I think it would have been a better little mix, but that's just me. You know, but uh, 
And, you know, it was a good show all in all. I can't explain it all. <coughs> Tremendous. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good well, stuff. I, I think they're... Casey, I, I have taking... to ask you... Sure. Well, ask away, yeah. Uh In honor of my co-host, have you texted uh, Evan's name to the WWE thing? No. Well, you need to get on it, KZ. we got to get Evan on the fucking uh, show. That way I can have the first ever ECW Heavyweight Champion on my show. <laughs> I'm not paying for it. Yeah. Nah, I, I broke down and actually voted once, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, talk, I, I, talk about getting lucky and something falling right in your lap, brother. Jeez. Uh, I can only imagine how many times Pizza's voted for him. He might be taking out a bank loan or something. <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Hopefully, hopefully horrible. I'm just, I'm, I'm still worried though that that, you know, Finley might get it just because you know he's a bigger name and you know how fucking WWE fans are. Mm. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Matt Horowitz by the power of Matt Horowitz, fucking a miracle will happen and fucking Evan Bourne will fucking and win it and you know they'll have a good match. I don't, I'm for sure he's not gonna win the title, but. They can steal the show. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Now you know this is this is going to be the gauge. They're going to gauge how over Evan is by this vote. Um, the vote is bigger than just this match. You know it really is because they're going to look at those numbers and they're going to see, hey, this kid's over. Let's uh, push him. But yeah, hopefully. I hope, know. I hope it all works out. Dude, I mean, he's the most exciting dude that they have on TV, dude. I mean, I think in the long run, I think he could be a bigger star than CM Punk will be if they give him the chance. But, you know, he's a lot smaller than Punk. <laughs> so, you know, that always hurts you, dude, your size, no matter how good you are. True. Yeah, I, I knew when I first saw Seidel, I knew he was going to be good. I knew he was going to be good. Just... The way that he moves in the ring, and I mean, you know, not even looking at the moves he does, just the way that that you know his body language and you know the his facials and everything, you know, not just the fl- the the flying stuff, you know, he's really really good. Um, the matches he had with Delirious, you know, that's where he made his name, and those things were nuts. Um, they were just really really good. But uh, yeah, hopefully you know Matt does get in there and he gets the votes just because the kid has got so much talent and it's raw. You know he's he's you know he's not much of a promo yet. You know, but it's not like they've really given him a chance to shine anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. The future the future's bright for him. That, that's you know that's what I got to say about that one. Yeah, as long as he doesn't. Anybody with a shooting star press, you know, and they let him keep using it, you know. The sky's the limit, dude, for him, to be honest with you. Well, speaking of shooting star presses, where in the hell is Paul London? Uh, probably on uh, janitorial duty when they do the shows <laughs> in the back. <laughs> probably have to follow McMahon around with the fucking room and a fucking sweet pan or something, dude. I don't know what the... What the fuck? I mean, God, Jesus Christ, because the dude fucking laughed on one fucking little skit, dude. The motherfucker's career is ruined, basically, in WWE. It's pretty sad. Well, it's a shame, because he's a damn good worker. Yeah, he is. It's, 
is the real shame. They should just fuck, dude. I mean, I'm sure he's happy making he's making the money and not really having to work for it. But you know, the dude's in his prime, dude. Let him if he you know let, let him go back to Ring of Honor or fucking somewhere else, dude. Or have you know the kind of matches he can have somewhere, dude. You know what I mean? Uh, just having him be in fucking I don't even know what what do you call it, dude? Fucking just. Like him and Elijah, you know what I mean? They're just, what's the point of keeping them around if you're not going to put them on TV? Yeah, no doubt. At least at least send them down to developmental. Let them work with the younger kids. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Do something with them. It's so stupid where people get punished for in WWE. I mean, they get punished for some of the stupidest shit. I mean, look at MVP, dude, just because he fucking made a little funny joke about some guy looking at his dick. He's got to fucking do the job every week now. <laughs> it's it's more than that, brother. I can tell you that for sure it's more than that. I would <laughs> hope so, because that would be a stupid reason to fucking uh, fuck somebody's career up. <laughs> well, it is uh, wellness related so that no matter what the hell Brian or Dave says it's wellness wellness related and I know this and I can't get in anymore but that's he's a continual uh, or would it be habitual offender well if he is it's He's never been suspended unless he's just getting busted for fucking pot every time. Yes, he is. Well, well he, I'm sure he's not the only one, though. I'm sure there's a lot of guys who are getting popped for fucking weed. I mean, what's it? It's just a little fine, basically. You know, can't can do anything else, you know. There's got to be, there's got to be more than half the roster's got to be failing that fucking weed thing. Well, let's just say I, I know that for a fact <laughs> it is. Uh, caller from the 908. Whom am I speaking with? It's Lyndon. It's Lyndon. What's up? Ed, you 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 want to hang out? Sure. Uh, I actually, uh, unfortunately, I I do have to go, but uh, God, because I really love talking to Lyndon. I had a good time talking to him on Sky Kids show. But uh, Lyndon, I might be dropping you a PM and seeing if I could get you on my show. But uh, I, I do have to go, man. But I hope you guys have a good a good show here. Hey, no problem. Anytime, man. Hey, enjoy, okay. enjoy the fights. Enjoy the fights on Saturday, Ed, huh? I will, man. I'll be talking to you, to you soon. Oh, uh, blogtalkradio.com backslash Edward Laredo. You can go to Blog Talk and type in Drunkcast tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Yeah, Lyndon, yeah, welcome o'clock. to the show. Hey, what's happening? Oh, just hanging out, brother. Um, mm-hmm. I want to get out of the year 2008. Let's uh, okay. step into the Rubber Guard Radio time machine, and we are going back to 1986. We are in the Carolinas, the greatest time to ever be a wrestling fan. Crockett, Crockett 1986, the National Wrestling Alliance. We got Flair on top, Horsemen in their in their prime. Um, Let's talk TV, brother. You you watched the uh, the Cornette uh, 
burning of Ronnie Garvin today, I watched it again. Mm-hmm. After you told me you did that, I watched it again. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff, brother. But let's Tremend- talk about it. Yeah, tremendous piece of business. You want to? Shall we give everybody the the background in case people don't know what we're uh, talking about? Go for it. All right. Um, well, I, I didn't watch the show. I watched just the just the angle. Oh, okay. I See, didn't watch the, the whole show. So the important. Uh, newly uncovered historical fact actually comes after the angle, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, basically, to catch people up, I guess we'd have to start with uh, well Barry Windham because he was, you know, part of the part of the deal. He uh, was supposed to come up to Crockett in '84 uh, after Dusty came up from Florida. He got screwed on his first paycheck, walked out, went to the WWF, got burned out on their schedule. Wanted to come back. Dusty talked Crockett into taking him, but Crockett said, I don't trust the guy. Uh, let's uh, stick him, you know, in the mid-card and let him prove that he's going to be here for the for the long haul. So they put him in a tag team with Ronnie Garvin and had them feud with the Midnight Express for the U.S. tag team titles. Um, from there, it led to the big angle that we're talking about, um, where Cornette throws a fireball at Ronnie Garvin, burns his face, uh, and pretty much from there it leads to, it gets over to the point where it ends up with the next year of people challenging Flair on top coming straight out of, uh, out of this angle because the shocking move that got the thing over like absolute gangbusters was after all the baby faces come pouring out of the dressing room to check on Ronnie Garvin. Here comes Jimmy Garvin and Precious out of the heel locker room as Jimmy Garvin turns face, uh, gets the angle over huge as this super serious deal. Checking on Ronnie Garvin, they have the cameras. A great job of making, you know, this is how you make something on a wrestling show seem real. They have the cameras uh Follow them as Barry Windham and Precious bring Ronnie to a car waiting behind the building. Um, they speed off, taking Ronnie to the uh, to the hospital. And Jimmy Garvin then comes back into the arena, freaks out, charges into the heel dressing room, tries to attack Jim Cornette. Um, from there, the shit's on. And over the next few months, we get various combinations of Jimmy, Ronnie, and Barry Windham teaming up against the Midnight Express, but the whole reason for the angle in the first place was to free up Barry Windham to be moved up because they needed a fresh baby face to challenge Flair on top. It got over so huge that they went straight from there into the Flair-Jimmy Garvin uh, feud over Precious, which of course led to Ronnie Garvin winning the NWA title and Things went to hell from there with, you know, Dusty having his uh, his little mental breakdown and, uh, you know, the sale of Crockett to Turner. But that one angle, such a tremendous piece of business that for the entire next year, pretty much you got Wyndham, then Jimmy, then Ronnie working on top with Flair, while the other two worked in the mid-card uh, feuding with the Midnight Express over the whole burn thing. And they even did a deal for a little while after the UWF buyout where Michael Hayes came in as a baby face, and he and Jimmy teamed up and uh, even got title shots at Tully and Arn. 
um, as baby faces, and since that was before they both, you know, retired five years before they stopped wrestling, uh, they were actually still working at the point, so that stuff was actually uh, pretty good. But, you know, this one angle um, shocked the world, and the Jimmy Garvin thing just got it over as such a serious deal because you have to understand to anybody that wasn't around back then, Jimmy was a heel, Ronnie was a baby face. They mentioned they were brothers when Jimmy first came in, and after that it was never mentioned again. So when he came out and did the turn, it was like this huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. So, well, they kept, I mean, that was... They kept them separate, too. Yeah, they they kept them separate forever. It was never mentioned. They never crossed paths. They never wrestled each other. They never, you know, said one word to each other. I mean, it was to the point where, you know, casual fans would ask if they were, you know, really related, which, you know, in real life they're stepfather and stepson, but... Uh, you know, uh, on TV, of course, they were they were brothers, but uh, you know that's that's the angle, and it, it's just a you know a great little piece of business that exploded and set up so much more down the road than they ever expected. Because, like I said, the original intent was just to you know free up Wyndham to to work with Flair for a while. Um, so you know that's the the deal with that. Uh, and then the little extra historical thing that I uncovered watching the rest of the episode, because I watched it on the NWA Pro episode, not the Worldwide. And for those that don't know, NWA Pro was the former Mid-Atlantic uh, TV show. Uh, it was set up exactly like Worldwide, studio matches, the whole deal, but... It was just shown in the southeast. It wasn't syndicated all over the country like Worldwide was. So basically what happened was after the match and the angle and the turn and the whole deal, they had Bill Dundee come out and cut a promo because Dundee and Jimmy Garvin had teamed up the year before. Now, immediately after this angle is when Dennis Condry disappeared, like a week or two later. And everybody's heard the story uh, a zillion times about how Condry disappeared. Uh, Cornette needed a replacement. He called Tom Pritchard. Pritchard wasn't home. Crockett had just bought out Florida. Steve Kern had retired temporarily to go into real estate. Stan Lane wasn't doing anything. So they suggested bringing Lane up and teaming him with Eaton, and the rest was history. The problem is this interview that I found with Bill Dundee uh, pretty much reveals that that story is not entirely true because Dundee cuts this promo where he's telling Jimmy Garvin that it's not too late for him to come home back where he belongs, meaning go back heel again, and that he and Garvin were a great team and that Garvin can be part of a great team again because Dundee is bringing in the perfect guy to team with him, his new protege, Sweet Stan Lane. So apparently what really went on was there was actually a plan in place to bring Stan up to Crockett as a single before the Midnight Express implosion happened. So that's uh, that's pretty much the new uh, historical fact that... Uh, 
I uncovered by watching that uh, watching that episode, and I had never heard that anywhere. Uh, even Cornette never mentions it ever, you know. So I don't know if uh, you know how many people even knew about it because it was on the you know the Southeast only show. But uh, apparently there was a plan in place for Stan to come up as a single, and the Midnight Express thing was actually uh, you know Plan B as an emergency plan when Condry disappeared. Wow, it's amazing yeah. what you can get from one show. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, it, it's a, a very pivotal show. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I'm horrible with yeah, dates. And it, and it wasn't planned to be that way at the time. That's the amazing thing. But, yeah. you know, that that's what people today could learn a little lesson about. You know, a mid-card angle done right can, you know, spiral and, and, and lead to bigger and better things down the road because they got a year of main events out of what was supposed to be a mid-card uh, tag team deal for the U.S. tag belts. I have here mm-hmm. February 14th, 1987 is mm-hmm. when when Cornette got got uh, Ronnie with the fire. Okay, so it was early 87. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, this disc I have, it's got a bunch of promos from uh, Cornette and, about the burning, and then April 4th, they introduced Stan Lane as the newest member of the Midnight Express. There you go. There you go. And, you and know, it, it's clearly one of those deals forgotten in history because, you know, if you weren't in the Carolinas, I don't think you got NWA Pro, so most people didn't see it. You'd have to have, you know, most people saw that whole deal go down on uh, either on Worldwide or just saw the clip when they replayed it on uh, the Saturday Night Show. Oh man, that's that was good stuff. And the thing is, you know, the Midnight Express, uh, Garvin's thing, and Wyndham, it wasn't a main event program, mm-hmm. but they were headlining B towns with it. Yep. So I, I mean, they were drawing money. You know, it worked. And it, it, you know, it's it's you're right that it, you know, that's what's missing today is there's mm-hmm. nothing that's gripping you. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I can't stomach the stuff now, and, you mm-hmm. know, if it weren't for my collection, I'd go nuts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, after that god-awful TNA show I just sat through, uh, you know, I between that and, and that horrible Raw on Monday, I totally see, uh, you know, where you're coming from, because it's like tonight they decided to see if they could put on a worse gauntlet match than that piece of crap on Raw on Monday. So, you know, uh, today's stuff does... Leave a lot to be desired. You know what it is? You know what the difference is? Variety. There isn't any anymore. People would say, like, I would say how, you know, back in the late 80s, there was like 20 to 25 hours of first-run wrestling on TV every week. And newer fans would say, how could you sit through that much wrestling? And I'd say, because it was all different. You know, the different promotions, every one of them had their own different, distinct style. And then in in the middle of each show, there was enough different stuff going on that, you know, it never seemed, it never got stale. Because you had these deep tag team divisions. You had, you know, these mid-card feuds that were self-contained, but, you know, the people were, were sucked into them. And you'd go, you'd have the you'd have the brawls, you'd have you know the you know whatever you'd have your your 
you'd get a great 20-minute draw on TV, you know, at least every few weeks. I mean, there was enough diversity between the different styles of wrestling that were available and then what was delivered on each show that you could sit through 20 hours of wrestling a week and never get bored with it. And today, I mean, how many people do you know that can't sit through the seven that we get now? Exactamundo. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's it's too much the same. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and where that's... WWE made their big mistake with the with the brand extension, because the whole from a business standpoint, the whole purpose of a brand extension is to bring in more customers by expanding your product line. When Coke decided to do a brand extension, they didn't come out with Coke Two or Coke Junior. They came out with Sprite to bring in additional customers. WWE never got that. They did their brand extension and basically turned SmackDown into Raw 2. And, you know, if they had half a brain in their heads, they would do much more to make the two shows more distinctive, you know, make the one more the the quote-unquote variety hour and the other one the, you know, the sports kind of show or you know, do something to make them seem like two separate promotions rather than the same show just on two different nights. I have to agree. I have to agree. Uh, let's take a call. Caller from the 504. Whom am I speaking with? Hey, what's up, KZ? It's Crypto One. How you doing, man? Hey, brother. Thanks for calling in. Uh, this show is for you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I did get the PM and... Uh, I, I was really looking forward to uh, to this show, and uh, I was able to catch uh, most of it um, with you guys talking to uh, yourself and uh, Lyndon Walker, is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I was able to catch most of the show, and uh, the background on the stuff with Stan Lane and Jim Cornette with the fireball, uh, dude, I didn't even know uh, any of that, so uh, that was definitely uh, cool to hear, so. Yeah, it was cool to watch. That's storytelling. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's storytelling. Yes, it is. You know, yes, pe- people, you know, when I was younger, people had General Hospital. They had Dallas. They had Knott's Landing. I had World Championship Wrestling on TBS on Saturday Saturday afternoons. Hmm. That was my soap opera, and I yeah. was hooked. I mean, I was hooked. I was glued. 6.05 Eastern. I was <laughs> there in front of the TV. And because that was compelling TV, mm-hmm. and the, they they rarely insulted your intelligence. That's that's the problem with stuff nowadays is that I'm insulted because it, you know, shit don't happen. Yeah, well, you, you know, know what, what it mean? is. They did, they did so much back then to keep everything else completely believable, plausible believability is the term I always, you know, uh, like to use. And they did so much as far as making sure that everything made sense, that when they did something that was wacky or, you know, completely nonsensical, you could overlook it and buy into it because if 90% of the stuff on the show, you know, is logical – then the 10% that's bullshit, it's easy to make excuses about. I mean, exactly. you know, that's that's pretty much what the aftermags made millions of dollars doing. So, you know, making the ridiculous stuff make sense for, for the promotions. True, true. 
And it, it's just, it, I mean, you just you look at the stuff nowadays, and I mean, it's like now I just pretty much I still, you know, watch wrestling or whatnot, but it just it hasn't been the same uh, for me personally. Like for a long time, I can't remember the last time I actually ordered a uh, WWF or WWE uh, pay per view or anything like that, and you know, and it's it's like now it's just kind of like I watch I watch it, but it's like out of habit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, just something I don't know. This, done. Right, but but it's like, you know, I could just remember, you know, back in the day, like you know, in the eighties and you know, the majority of the nineties. I mean, you know, it's like you know, you'd be excited when there was a WWF, a WCW pay per view, you know, mm-hmm. coming up, and you know, you, you know, you just couldn't wait for Sundays, like to get together with, you know, have a few friends over or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, to sit and enjoy your pay per view. You actually cared about the outcome of the matches. You cared about the titles, you know, and it, and it's just now it's just like I, I don't know, it's just like all the blur. Like I can't remember what happened last week. You know, yeah. it, it's just I, it just it's, it it just sucks. Yeah. Uh, Are you I, talking I, about UFC? Oh uh, no, <laughs> no, you know, no, that that, that sucks too. Because it's, it's that's not, it's, it's too many shows. It's too many shows. I I, I can't keep the up. Thing, like the the show you, that they did last you're just week. Talking I, about. Crippler, what you were just talking about, that's that's how I am now with mixed martial arts. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've gone. Hey, hey I got a, I got an MMA uh, wrestling crossover deal for you. Have you ever noticed how much Kimbo Slice looks like pork chop cash? <laughs> <laughs> I actually never thought about that, but oh I, I, could, I could I could I could see it. If, if somebody oh, no. came out tomorrow and it was revealed that Pork Chop Cash was Kimbo Slice's father, would you be surprised? Not at all. Mm-hmm. No, not that you. No, no. <laughs> I never thought about it, but yeah, now that you mention that, yeah, I, I could, thank, I could see that. <laughs> kind of a Man. scary thought, actually, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't expect Pork Chop Cash to come up tonight. No, uh, no. They need more no. wrestlers named Pork Chop. That's the other thing. They don't have enough like wacky. They they try to make people wacky instead of just letting them evolve into wackiness these days. You know, it it it, it, it doesn't work. You know, back in the day, mm. you know, you had the the boogie woogie man and and oh. Shaska Watley and uh, you know Akeem and you know I mean just just throwing names yeah. out there. But I mean you know, but it just you know it 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 worked back then. But uh, mm-hmm. but back to the the NWA deal. Um, you know, real quick. With the, the the whole, I, w- I was gonna go a little a few years late. I, I know you wanted to uh, stick with '86, but no, the, the stuff. All right, the, the stuff for me that that stands out the most, like with the NWA, uh, to me was that that very first clash of champions, with mm-hmm. uh with 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 the the main event with Sting and Ric Flair. Obviously, that match you know was was great, but one of the ones that stick out for me that you don't hear people mention you know too too much, I guess, is like the the Fantastics. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Midnight Express. Yeah, and, you have uh, to see it. You have to see it unedited. Oh, you there's an unedited because, huh? There's well, a, okay, there's a very underrated Wait, so there is an un- because okay, the version that I have, um, it's it's a it, it was actually a recording from uh the TBS broadcast. So is there another version mm-hmm. that's out there? There, yeah, there's a satellite feed out there where I, it's it's. No, no, no. You don't get the commercials. You know, you see huh. Teddy Long walking around in the ring during commercial breaks in between matches. 
Yeah, it's uh, really, it's pretty know. interesting. Okay. You know, you know okay. that that whole uh, 1988 period there. That mm-hmm. that's some really interesting stuff because business-wise, the company was completely falling apart. Dusty right. was heading towards you know insanity. I mean, he was basically having a breakdown, turning mm-hmm. people constantly. But on the other hand, if you were just a regular fan watching TV, mm-hmm. that was some of the best TV that you know has ever been put together. And it's simply because their talent roster was so completely over the top awesome. Yeah. I mean, they had so many great matches in that year, and yet at the same time, the company's falling apart. People are leaving left and right. Uh, yeah, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my favorite story about that year is the the one from the end of the year with the um, the Russian assassins. How uh, they they turn on Ivan Koloff. Ivan Koloff turns good. Another horrible idea by Dusty. Uh, yeah, Nikita, ooh, that, yeah, that was. Yeah, Nikita saves him, and then Dusty loses power. Nikita leaves. They bring in Junkyard Dog to take Nikita's place. Then ooh, Ivan that was Bells, awful. Yeah, yeah, then uh, Ivan Bales, yeah. and then the, the um, blow-off of the feud ends up being the Russian assassins against Junkyard Dog and Michael Hayes. And Michael Hayes has to go on TBS, and because they were about to do this giant tour of all the old UWF towns, he has mm-hmm. to cut a promo and explain why he and Junkyard Dog are teaming, because, you know, they cared about things like continuity back then. And he right. says nothing for five minutes. It's the proverbial read a phone book deal. And yet it's like one of the greatest promos I've ever heard because he has this crowd eating out of his hand and he's saying nothing. And that was like that whole entire year. Shit was falling apart left and right, but the mm-hmm. talent was so great that as a fan watching TV, you didn't notice other than the fact that guys were disappearing. Right, yeah, that's that's what I was gonna get to because I I remember from uh from that year uh like for example when uh, Tully and Orn left okay I I remember because the, the the problem was like back then you know which which kind of sucks for me was that um it, it's weird because okay I, I live you know in the south in Louisiana mm-hmm. and you know you would think I would have had you know all the access to the in the world to all of the Crockett stuff or whatnot but at the time the city where I lived. Um, the area where I live, um, we weren't able to get cable. So I missed out on the, the Saturday night, I think it was called, I think it was World Championship Wrestling, I think it was the program at the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I missed out on that. Um, the uh, WCW Pro uh, show that y'all were speaking of earlier, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I didn't get to see that. So a lot of the stuff that I missed, the only thing I had access to uh, for NWE was NWE Worldwide. So, you know, I only caught, like, you know, bits and pieces here and there. But I do remember when... Uh, the uh, Tully and Arn left. After they lost the titles to uh, the NWA titles to the Midnight Express, and then they left. And I'm like, okay, well that's that's kind of that's weird. We you know didn't know what happened to them, and mm. you know then you know the situ you know the situation uh, a little bit later that you're speaking of with Ivan Koloff, you know being turned on with the assassins and Nikita leaving, and I I just thought it was you know just thought it was kind of weird. Didn't know what happened, but. Yeah, and I actually forgot about the part where the assassins were actually uh, the replacements for the powers of pain. So, you know, that whole thing right. was... Yeah, everybody got replaced in a feud. It was the strangest thing ever. Yeah, Yeah, but then what you're and, talking about with Tully and Arn, and then they replace them with, uh, you know, Kendall Wyndham and Butch Reed and Michael Hayes, and 
They changed yeah, the now, name was that the, now was that the period when uh, okay, that was another thing because uh, JJ Dillon ended up leaving and he and he tried right. to do that. I, I just remember the thing with Hero Matsuda. Oh. I believe they bought him in to yeah. yeah, yeah they called it the Yamasaki know. Corporation, and they brought them in, and then it was like weird because he was managing all five of them, but then like there, as I actually saw all the we just last year rewatched all the the Saturday nights from that period there and basically in the entire couple of months that they were doing that they only cut one promo together as a group ever and uh you know the whole deal was a mess i mean matsuda was like horrible they kept using him because you know he was local and he was around florida forever so you know he was in with that whole whole clique but he was a terrible manager in fact if you stop and look at it for some reason in the 80s, we had this proliferation of Japanese heel managers, and every single one of them was absolutely terrible. I mean, Matsuda was horrible. You know, Mr. Fuji was so bad that the worst manager award in the Observer was named after him for a while. You know, Tojo Yamamoto was horrible. That Wakamatsu guy up in Stampede was even worse. I mean, there was all of these Japanese managers, and they were all... Hideous. Yeah. I mean, now, there wasn't Fuji, a talented one in the bunch. Now, Fuji, I don't, the only thing with, with, with Fuji, I guess, at the time, I, you know, remember watching him or whatever. I don't know, I didn't think he was, I didn't think he was, you know, horrible, I guess, you know, per se. I just didn't, I, I, don't, I don't know, like, besides him, you know, occasionally, like, getting involved, like, using a cane or throwing a salt or whatever, that was kind of, you know, like the extent of it. I guess I, I it was kind of like, you know, just whatever with with him. But he was, he but, was just um, bad. Yeah, Although yeah, a lot but, of people, but, you know, that were kids liked him because they thought he was funny, but he was just a horrible promo guy. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, he was like, he had his role because he was one of the couple of managers in WWF who they could stick in the ring to, you know, wrestle. So, you know, when they did the blow-off, it was like him or, or, or and Johnny Valiant were like, you know, the two managers that could still wrestle a little bit, so they would use them right. in that role. But, I mean, Fuji was so bad. He won that award so many years in a row. The only guy that ever beat him out was Paul Jones. And you can make an argument that Paul Jones was worse. So that really? that's a guy who had a career that lasted forever, and I cannot figure out what anybody ever saw in him. Now, the Paul, I'm, 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 okay, I remember Paul Jones, but I think I remember him, like, Toward toward the end, I believe. Um, yeah, the feud with Jimmy Valiant that went on for five years. Okay, so oh. so so that that Paul Jones, the one who led the the Paul Jones army, that was the same guy that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember watching. I think it was uh, like Shy Town Rumble '89, I believe, right. and I think he came out with uh, one of the assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was the end of the deal. Okay, so that's the same guy. Right. Okay. And okay. somehow he was like this massively over baby face in the 70s, and then he just became this atrocious heel manager in the 80s. I mean, his promos, not only would he forget oh. the names of guys he was feuding with, he'd forget the names of the guys he was managing. I mean, I, I've seen him stumble over not so good. many promos, he's just hideous. And then, and then they bar- they had him with Johnny Valiant, uh, Jimmy Valiant uh, forever, who was also, like, brutal. So, I mean, that was the worst of the NWA was the whole Paul Jones, Jimmy Valiant thing. And that thing went on for, like, literally five years. I think they started feuding in 84, and they finally blew it off in, like, 88, 89. 
Wow. So, yeah, that that was uh, horrible. But wow. uh, <laughs> that's crazy. But yeah. I mean, I guess it's you know it's it's one of those things. I guess too. Um, I guess you know I don't I don't really remember it exactly. But I mean, but it just goes to show you too, like back then, you know how you know I guess no matter how horrible the feuds were or whatever, but you know they had a lot of good stuff as well. But mm-hmm. it's it's amazing to me, like looking back on you know that that particular time period. If you watch stuff from back then, I look at the crowd, dude, and it's like, you know, yeah. and I, I just, I, I, I miss that. And I guess, you know, like even, you know, back then we watched when we were younger. I think we, at some point, kind of knew, you know, like everything wasn't on the up and up, but you know, but still, it was one of those things where you, know, you just got into everything, and mm-hmm. well, it, 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 was, it was so much fun. Yeah, that's the difference between then and now is the emotional investment. There's no emotion in wrestling anymore. Because no, not at all. For, yeah, yeah, because for some reason, the crowds decided that instead of being there to watch the show and, you know, cheer on their favorites uh, and boo the guys they don't like and, you know, try to inspire the baby face to fight back and all that stuff, for some strange reason, and I actually blame ECW for this, uh, wrestling crowds decided that they wanted to be part of the show. And so it all became about, you know, uh, chants and signs and who can, you know, show up on camera and, and all of this, you know, dumb crap that has really nothing to do with while they're there. There's no, there's no emotion anymore. And that's why the Flair retirement thing works so well, because I maintain that he is the last guy that people have a true emotional, you know, attachment to. I could just associate him with, with that, with the, the 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 good time that that era, basically. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but you know the the guys coming up today, whoever, even the people that are the most popular and sell merchandise, I don't really think that the people care that much. I, I don't think no, people care that much if you. John Cena wins or loses. You know, Mm-mm. no, it, it's a whole you. different world. And meanwhile, back then you'd have, you know, uh, people crying if if. You know, Ricky Morton got beat up, or uh, I remember, yeah, I remember you know, those riots things. over Junkyard Dog losing matches in Mid South, and then you know, all of this heels getting stabbed, and then you know, all of this uh, stuff because they they bought into it so much, and and it's so different now in that yeah. the emotion is just gone. It, so. and, and, and you know, and I, and I can remember like you know back in the day, um, I don't know if you guys ever got a chance to see um, any of this. Uh, you know, when Mid-South, um, you know, prior to it uh, becoming, uh, you know, going with the UWF, mm-hmm. uh, there was Mid-South was real, um, you know, popular down here, uh, you know, in New Orleans, and they run shows like at the Superdome or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I have like these, at the time, I would have been uh, maybe six, seven years old, something like that, and they would run the, they would run the shows here. And I just, I, I can remember uh, there was a match between the Sheep Herders, in the uh, in the Fantastics, and it was oh, it yeah. was in a cage. And dude, actually, it wasn't in the Super. I think it was in like the Municipal Auditorium, or something like that. But I I just remember you know like being there as a kid because I I can remember like being like kind of scared of uh of the of the sheep herders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know they were kind of <laughs> just kind of nuts. And uh, <laughs> but I, I just I just remember uh you know. Oh man, just like just just the emotion, like you know, just of being there, 
you know, the crowd. Like, I can remember just the sounds of, like, the girls, like, in the crowd, like, mm-hmm. screaming. Like, every time, like, the, like, Tommy Rogers or Bobby Fulton, you know, would just be getting pounded on and pounded on. Kind of, you know, like the Ricky Morton deal, you know, mm-hmm. and whatnot. It's it just, and it's just me. And I, I'm just like, okay, like, when did that, when did that just go away? You know, and why, and, and, and it's just like, I don't think we'll ever get back, you know, to that point in wrestling, even if there's another promotion, you know, someone with billions of dollars, they come along and start up, a, you know, a promotion or whatnot and, you know, try to, you know, become a number two to WWE. I just still don't see it ever going back, you know, to that to that, that time period. And, you know, that really sucks. And I, and I know that they've been down periods in wrestling before, but I think this is the worst because back during the previous down periods, I mean, you know, you still had, you know, rival promotions as opposed mm-hmm. to now. I don't count TNA. But, you know, it's like now, you know, WWE is pretty much the main one. And, you know, I mean, you know, what do you, know, what do, you do? Yeah, well, that, that's the big problem going forward and why there is a pretty good chance that the wrestling business is pretty much dying and in about 10 years, it could be gone because you can't have a wrestling business without talent. And there's nowhere to get talent from. And right now, we have the last of the crew of guys who came up the old-fashioned way uh, right. through the territories and who know how to call a match in the ring and who know how to make somebody else look good and cover for their mistakes and once that crew of guys, the last bunch from, you know, that came up the old way are gone, there's not going to be anybody coming along who can take these green guys who have one year in developmental, take them on the road, teach them how to work, cover their mistakes, and make them look good so they can turn them into draws. What happens when those people are gone when, you know, the Triple H's and the Shawn Michaels and the William Regals and, you know, people like that, once that whole class of guys retires, there's not going to be anybody left who's going to be able to make these guys look good. And I mean, once guys thought. don't look good, guys don't sell tickets. Exactly. There it is. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I need to play this promo. All right. Go ahead. Brian Alvarez. Oh, yes. damn. Okay, i got to watch this because I think I'm going to WrestleMania with him. <laughs> okay. He's going to hear right. this tomorrow. Let me tell you something, Brian Alvarez. You're nothing but a no-good, yellow, lily-leveled, sex-ex-sucking dog is what you is. You out there, you're trying to present wrestling news. There's no wrestling news. The only news that's out there is Brian Alvarez is sniffing jocks, and he's out there trying to find a scoop. There ain't no scoop. The scoop is don't go to Brian Alvarez. Go to Between the Ropes. Go to Local God Radio. Tell Brian Alvarez that he's a no-good yellow dog. He's just like Nikita Koloff, and that's what I'm talking about. Bottom line, first blood. That's it. Now then. Vito, that's man love Vito. for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I will talk to you very Vito. soon. All right. Oh, God, I love Vito. <laughs> last week's last week's show, I, I had Vito as Dusty Rhodes cut a promo on Dave Meltzer, and that was fucking brilliant. That was uh, after the stream stopped streaming, so for those oh, faggots okay. who don't want to listen to the whole show, it's after the two-hour mark. <laughs> oh, but, I got to hear uh, that one. Oh, it's brilliant stuff. I've been trying to rip it, but I can't seem to rip it properly. But I don't know. Mm. Maybe uh, 
too many wellness violations or something. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go back to the Clash One. Um, mm-hmm. It was a very important show. It was the coming out party for the Fantastics nationally. It was Sting's coming out party. Also, you had Barry Windham turning on Luger and mm-hmm. joining the Four Horsemen, creating my favorite incarnation of the group. Um, first off, uh, Crippler, uh, what, what did you think of that turn and, and what it did for the business right then? All right, I'll tell you from what I remember. Um, actually, okay, I remember that, that particular clash, uh, Barry and, Barry and uh, Lex uh, won the titles um, from Tully and on. And I, and I remember, I think it was maybe a month later. I know they didn't have the belts very long. Um, I, I remember seeing, uh, you know, the whole turn go down with Barry. And, and like you, I agree with you that that was actually my favorite incarnation um, of the Four Horsemen because – I always I, I remember the the whole deal with Barry when he turned the the, the black glove and the claw. That was uh mm-hmm. <laughs> that was cool. But as far as uh you know business wise, I mean I liked it. You know that was that was a good year for me with NWA because you know the the matches were good. Uh, I remember Barry had a match with uh Brad Armstrong on. I think it was the next Clash. Uh, I think uh, after that or maybe months down the line after that something like that um that that was good and you know it, it was it was just cool because flair was world champ barry became the u.s champ and tully and orn had the had the, the tag belts and there, there were just so many great matches uh you know with with those guys uh against the dusty rolls the stings the Kitas. so i mean i for, for me personally i i enjoyed it plus money wise drawing power <laughs> i couldn't tell you how they did, you know, but I enjoyed it. Hmm. Lyndon, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would actually go on record as saying uh, Barry Windham joining the Horseman may be my favorite heel turn of all time. Um, quite simply, because it was awesome. I mean, nobody saw it coming. They planted seeds, of course, on TV. But nobody believed it because Wyndham had never been anything but this white meat pretty boy baby face leading up to it. Never even played tweener, never broke a rule in, you know, the entire eight years of his career up until that point. So nobody saw it coming. And then he turns heel and you started to pick it up in eighty seven and you talk about somebody taking something to the next level, that was Barry Windham after the heel turn because there was a period of time there from late 87 until uh, he broke his hand and left the NWA in, in I think it was uh, February of 89, that he was pretty much the best wrestler in the world. And we're talking about a guy who was teaming with Ric Flair in his prime as NWA champion, and Windham might have been better. That's how great he was. He went heel and pretty much became uh, cool as fuck. I mean, you could have bets every week on what finisher he was going to use to beat the jobber on Saturday night because the guy was working five different finishers at one time and got them all over. I mean, that's how good Wyndham was. He was using the claw. He was using the bulldog. He was using the superplex. He was using the lariat. He was using a figure four. I mean, he was beating people with everything. And he got over so huge, and he was amazing as a heel. 
which is why that year, you know, people love it, even though business-wise they were going in the toilet. And a big part of that has to do with Barry Windham. And, you know, I, I, there's no other way to put it. I mean, at that time, he was probably for that year the best wrestler in the world, at least the best wrestler in America. And considering he was, you know, on the same show as Flair, that, that's, that's saying something. But that's how good, badass Barry Windham was. So, you know, you, you gotta you got you gotta tip your hat to him and, and pretty much that run kept him over for the rest of his life. Because he would come back and you know, hell, it's Barry Windham, he goes to the top and you know, that's that's and it's amazing that he became such a good worker when his yeah, father really was did. the exact opposite as he was a good promo bed worker guy. So, you know, it just shows you that genetics doesn't always uh you know, lead to things being the same, but yeah, he was yeah. just. You know, look look tremendous. at David Flair. Well, yeah, oh. but you know, there's you know, a lot of. Uh, you, you brought up Flair. I cannot wait to see Reed Flair. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. He's going to be good. Because there's been so much talk about, um, you know, even back when he was in high school, you'd hear these whispers that he was like this really tremendous athlete and that he had everything that you know, David's missing personality-wise, but on the other hand, now you're hearing these rumblings of, uh, you know, that he's got a lot of Randy Orton in him, a little immature, mm. a little cocky, and then, you know, they got to be careful not to bring him up uh, too soon. I mean, if if I was Rick, I would totally not put him in WWE developmental right now where, you know, he's got to compete with, 70 other guys for ring time. I know right now they have him. I think he's working out with uh, George South. And the, the the next step I would take if, you know, if I was Rick, is I'd send him to, to Harley Race. Let him go to Kansas City. Let him work on a regular basis where, you know, they're working over there. You know, uh, they got a regular schedule. And, you know, he's got the connections in Japan. And he can learn and he can work and he can get experience without anybody ever seeing him. Uh, you know, that, that that's the way that I would go with him if you want to give him a little time to, uh, you know, to grow up and mature. I think that they're going to, with, with David, or not David, oh, jeez, with, with Reed, <laughs> uh, I, I'm hoping that, that he he stays with Harley and hopefully, you know, he would uh, latch on with the NWA, which, you know, they're... They're filming TV already, and they're getting ready for a push on a major network, a cable network. Um, they are going to be number two, and I've been saying it for months now, but I would love to see him uh, read in the NWA system. Uh, he can learn a lot from, from Adam Pierce and some of the other guys that, that work for the NWA, and Flair is on good terms with the NWA now. Right. So Yeah, but you don't think keeping him off TV as much as possible would be uh... – you know, in his best interest? No, 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 no. I'm I'm talking about after going, you know, doing a six month six month run with Harley. Yeah, yeah. I think the Harley, uh, you know, plan is really the best route to to take with him. Um, I mean, there's only so much he's going to get, you know, staying home in the Carolinas with George South. I mean, you know, eventually he's going to need to learn from you know other people with uh, and work on a regular basis, and you know. Um, to me, from everything that I hear, you know, going uh, going to work for 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 Harley is probably the you know the best option for uh, you know a prodigy kid like that. So yeah, who you know who who better to learn from than 
the only real king uh, in in my in my eyes uh, of wrestling, Harley Race. I don't care what oh, they say about on. Jerry Lawler. Don't be <laughs> down. Don't don't be lay. Memphis Jerry Lawler is tremendous. WWE Jerry Lawler is annoying. Is not. But uh, <laughs> the Lawler from Memphis is pretty much as good as you're going to get. So uh, you're not yeah. going to hear me knocking anything that uh, anything he did south of the Mason Dixon line is all right by me. There it is. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, Crippler. Well, uh, thanks for calling in, brother. Thank you for your input. It was it. definitely fun, brother. Appreciate it. Same here, dude. And I, I appreciate you all uh, doing the show. And, uh, you know, keep up the good work. I guess I have to uh, listen to more of your shows now, more often now since you uh, came up with this NWA retrospect show. So I appreciate it, dude. Oh, you got it, brother. You take care. And thanks for calling. All right, y'all take care. Y'all World famous Crippler One from the from Ed's Vegas crew. We have about ten minutes to go. Well, Lyndon, out of the uh, latest crop of shoot interviews, uh, we had yeah. Robert Fuller, we had Jimmy Golden, uh, we had Mike Graham, uh, Doug Summers. Uh, which one stood out for you? Uh, I think there are two that are pretty much going to go on any list of. The best shoot interviews, um, you know, pretty much ever. Uh, Robert Fuller was tremendous. I likened it to spending an evening sitting on the front porch with an old southern gentleman having a couple of drinks, smoking a cigar, and listening to him tell stories. Um, Just a fantastic storyteller. Uh, You know, the guy just – he – you know, captivates you. He goes into detail and everything. He's got a story about everybody. Uh, he's colorful. Uh, it's also good that he's from a uh, a territory that there haven't been a lot of shoot interviews about. I mean, I don't mean to go all uh, go all Carl Stern on you here, but uh, you know, there haven't been a lot of shoots from southeastern guys. So you had like fresh material, so you were guaranteed to learning something which is the, the first thing that I always say from uh, from a shoot interview that you need. And, I mean, he goes through the whole thing. It's a three-hour shoot, and WCW and the WWF is like the last 20 minutes or half hour. I mean, that's how much this guy has to talk about. They could bring him in tomorrow, do another two hours with him, and it would be just as tremendous. Huge fan of the Robert Fuller one. Uh, the... Ironically, the opposite goes for the uh, Jimmy Golden one, who, you know, had nothing to say. He was one of those uh, he's a good guy answer people. Uh, I was disappointed in that one. Mike Graham was also uh, phenomenal. Anything that you, everything that you want out of a shoot interview, you got from that one. Uh, good stories, you know, if you're into the whole. Uh, you know, road stories, gossip thing. You got that. You got tales from a territory that you didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of previous shoots on. Uh, you had a lot of emotion. You know, he basically goes into more detail of his the story of his father's suicide than you'd ever heard before, and he breaks down and cries in the middle of it. Yeah, that was and that, that got me. Yeah, that, that was got me that, today. That, that got was me. a heavy moment. And, and he confirmed the interview that the interview that he confirmed the. Uh, the rumor that you know it's always been out there about Eddie Graham actually shooting himself in the head twice. I'm like, oh my God, that actually is true. That's that's sick. 
Uh, and then, on the other hand, you have the whole, if you like listening to one guy rip a lot of people, uh, you know, you got the whole WCW wackiness and then him calling people out. And, you know, if he thinks a guy's an asshole, he's going to come right out and say, hey, that guy's an asshole. Um, you know, he... He, he was a little off on a couple of things, but, uh, you know, he was, he came across to me as very honest because I thought the real test with him was uh, when the question came up on Dusty, you know, taking the talent uh, from Florida to the Carolinas and if that had anything to do with his father's depression, you know, the question you ask yourself going in is, well, is he going to rip on Dusty? Because Dusty's like a brother to him. And, you know, you knew that question was going to be asked, and you're like, okay, you're going to know how truthful he is by how he answers that question. And flat out he says, yeah, he goes, you know, that was part of it. What Dusty did was wrong. And he did not, uh, you know, he didn't, you know, kiss Dusty's ass on that one. Um, So, you know, he was honest. Uh, His comments on Benoit were very interesting. Um, you know, considering he was part of that whole, uh, you know, them walking out thing. Um, he made a comment about Nancy that's something that uh, has been whispered about for a long time, but nobody else has said since, you know, the whole murders went down, which is uh, that she wasn't exactly the most mentally stable person in the world and that she was... Uh, rather violent herself and uh, a bit of a manipulator. And, you know, when the whole thing went down, I, I actually said, you know, uh, my, my whole th- when, when the story of the Benoit murders first happened, the first thought that popped into my head was that, you know, she snapped and killed the kid and then Benoit killed her uh, because there had always been these stories out there about her being kind of crazy and kind of violent. And he's pretty much the first person to go on record with that since the – you know the whole uh, the whole tragedy went down. Um, I mean, it's three and a half hours long. It never drags. Uh, you you know can sit there and listen to the whole thing in in one sitting. Uh, he tells you know, like I said, you'll learn something from it. You'll get your emotion. You'll get your trash talk. You'll get everything that you want from a shoot. Uh, I really recommend uh, the Mike Graham one to uh, you know pretty much anybody that wants to hear about WCW or the old Florida Territory. What did uh, what was your impression to that one? Ah, uh, blow away. Mm-hmm. You and I are on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, just blew me away. The the Graham shoot was just unbelievable. And you know, and, and he doesn't care. Nope. He got his money. He got his money for the Florida tape library. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. care. He's like, he's done, he's loaded, he's got all of this uh, Florida real estate, he's set for the rest of his life. So he doesn't give a shit, he spends all his time hanging out on the beach, and he's got no desire to do anything but, you know, sign a few autographs a couple of times a year, so he'll call an asshole an asshole. He doesn't give a shit. And that, those are the guys that make the best shoots. Exactly, Mundo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Doug Summers was okay. Uh, decent enough listen from the standpoint of an obscure guy that, you know, nobody really cared enough to have a lot of details on, you know, going in. So you got a few fresh things. But, you know, for the most part, it was a run-of-the-mill shoot. I mean, another guy who kind of thought that he was uh, 
a bigger deal than he was, but uh, you know, it was it was interesting. It's a good listen for a you know way to kill a couple hours. And the um, what was the other one? The uh, the Jerry Jarrett guest Booker uh, liked his concepts, didn't like his talent choices. Uh, I found it odd that he would say to release all of the uh, you know the talent, and I'm thinking to myself, how are you going to get out of those contracts? That doesn't exactly work. And that he would then do that and then re-sign some of those same people that were, you know, causing the trouble to begin with. So his his talent choices in that were struck me as uh, as very odd. But his booking concepts, I was you know a, a pretty good fan of. I mean that was that was all right. Uh, you know, I, I mean it certainly wasn't on the level of uh, Fuller or Graham. Those are really the the two uh, must-have shoots. Uh, of everything out there, and then uh, I also heard uh, what Brian Clark recently, and he was good because he's another one who's out and doesn't give a shit, so he'll call an asshole an asshole. If you want to have a lot of, if you want to hear a guy talk some trash, and uh, you know he has that one comment that makes you raise your eyebrows about uh, Shawn Michaels getting away with a lot of shit because Vince and Pat Patterson like to watch him in the shower. Uh, that was probably the highlight comment of uh, of that shoot. Um, but well, what do you think of it? I mean, other than you that, think, it was pretty, you know. No, I mean, good. the comment, no. do you think it's true? Uh, it's, it's one of those rumors that's been around for quite a long time. Well, let me put it to you this way. He's not the first person I've heard a comment like that from. So, I mean, that, that kind of shit has kind of, uh, been around for a while. I mean, both about Vince and about Patterson. So um, I don't know if it's true, but on the other hand, I wouldn't be shocked if it was. Uh, you know, 50-50, either way. If it was true, if it's not true, I really wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. So, you know. Tremendous. Well, yeah. we are running out of time. It's just about time for CSI. Uh, Mr. Walker, thanks for the hour, brother. It was my pleasure. It was fun. We'll definitely have to do it again. Yeah, no uh, problem. Take care of the body. Take care of yeah, your body, I'll be, brother. Uh, I'll be around for the next uh, six weeks nursing this blown-out knee, so uh, I'll probably be making the rounds, hitting all the you know, people that asked me, uh, all the people who I promised to be on their podcast, I'll probably end up uh, you know, making good on those promises over the next uh, month and a half. I know I'm supposed to do the uh, Carl Stern Fun Time Variety Show. Uh, so hopefully we can, you know, get that one up and going. And anytime, uh, you know, you need me again, I'm uh, going to be around for a while. So there tremendous, you go. brother. Thanks for your time. And uh, our uh, bumper music on the way out is for those that will remember the '80s NWA. So I will see you guys next week.